Good day and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am your humble host, Anthony J. Ashitino. And today's um, topic is something that has been brought up in my classes recently. We've been spending a lot of time talking about it. Towards the end of the school year, you often run into time periods where you've, you've um, actually done all of the curriculum you've reached the end of the of the year, but you still have a bunch of days left. So you need to talk about things and you don't want to just say, okay, it's free time for the next two weeks, despite the fact that my students would absolutely love that. Instead, you want to actually try and do some education. And so anyone that knows me knows that one of my favorite things to talk about that's outside of history, uh, which is actually part of history, is is astronomy. It's the universe. I absolutely love it. I love talking about anything dealing with outer space. Um, I love talking about stars and planets, and I love talking about galaxies, nebula, black holes, one of my favorite things in the world to talk about, you know, gravistars, neutron stars, gravitational waves. I mean, that's the way to get me fired up. Um, you know, back in the day when I taught in the high school, a lot of my students knew the easy way when it was like, okay, listen, we really don't feel like doing a lot of work today. We need to get Ashatino off topic. Someone raised their hands and asked a question about, you know, how big can black holes get? And that was it. That was it for me. The next 30 minutes would be spent talking about, you know, uh, the difference between stellar mass black holes, supermassive black holes, different galaxies, galactic cores. Um, I love it. But I love it in a large part because it, it really is all about dealing with things on such a scale. You know, we talk about something being astronomical. Oh, man, his, you know, rate of this is astronomical. Well, because the universe is so large that it really is impossible for most people to understand. And so that's a little bit of why I wanted to talk about things today. And I suppose the first question was because um, a young lady in one of my classes asked if I believed in aliens. And I said, absolutely. And she said, well, okay, so what do they look like? What are they? And I said, I have no idea. And the reason I have no idea is because even though I do believe that there are or have been in the course of the 13 billion years the universe has been in existence. I do believe that there have been extraterrestrial, outside of Earth, life forms. Um, it's almost impossible to make any kind of educated guess about what they look like, who they are. We often think aliens would look like us. They're going to have arms, a head, legs, but why should they? Why should they be anything like us? Why should they even be a carbon-based life form? Um, that's just kind of us projecting our, you know, Earth-centric view out into the universe. And the universe doesn't really care about the Earth. The Earth is a completely inconsequential point in an absolute... It's like a grain of sand compared to, you know, the Pacific Ocean. Uh, and that's probably even giving us too much credit. So the question, are there aliens? Yes, there probably are. Um, but the universe is so ridiculously large that it's very unlikely we will ever come into contact with them. Um, and if we did, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, we probably wouldn't know it anyway. So how big is the universe? The universe is ridiculously large. I mean, when we talk about things, we talk about light years in the universe. And a light year <clears throat> is about... I, I'm going. I know the mathematicians... 
out there listening to this will have a fit and some of the, the astronomers and astrophysicists as well. But there's about 186,000, light travels at about 186,000 miles per second. Miles per second, 186,000. So a light year, 186,000 times 60 seconds, times 60 minutes, 24 hours, 365 days. So in a year, light would travel about 5,865 uh, billion six hundred ninety-six million miles. That's almost six trillion miles in a year. That's what light would travel unimpeded. Now, one of the closest major galaxies to us, and the Milky Way, by the way, we're about twenty-five thousand light years from the middle. So you just have to do about six trillion times twenty-five thousand. Yeah, nothing, right? Just a, a walk in the park. The Milky Way is about a hundred thousand light years across. So the possibility, I mean, you're talking about if something is only 5,000 light years away, you're talking about something on the lines of uh, 30 quadrillion miles or so. Um, you know, it, it's a ridiculous number. I mean, just looking at our, one of our nearest neighbors, the Andromeda Galaxy, which is coming right at us, and for those of you that are worried about it, don't. Okay, a couple of billion years, but eventually it's going to merge with the Milky Way. The, the Andromeda Galaxy is about 2.5 million light years away from us, and it's hurtling towards us. And it is about 14 quintillion, 664 quadrillion, 240 trillion uh, miles away. What is that number? That number means... If you wrote out 14,664,240 miles, and then you added, after that, 12 zeros, that would give you the idea of how far away it is. So we're talking about things that are so far away that even if you were able to travel at something like 100,000 miles an hour, 200,000 miles an hour, 500,000 miles an hour, all of which are, are beyond pretty much anything we can do right now, you're talking about not getting there, not just in our lifetime. You're not even talking about like, okay, I'll be an old man when I get there. You're talking about, you know, ridiculous numbers of generations. It, it, it would take thousands of generations to get to these places, Okay. So the question then becomes, why haven't we seen anyone? And why haven't we seen anyone is best answered by talking about the Fermi paradox. And the Fermi paradox basically, you know, it comes from a discussion between a couple of guys that says, well, if there are, you know, there are about between two and 400 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy. And if you look at like 1% of 1% of 1% of the stars was able to house a planet that was capable of housing life, why haven't we run into – there should be other civilizations out there. Well, I'll tell you, <clears throat> the problem here is as follows, and there are many different solutions to the Fermi paradox or suggested solutions. But the main thing for me is this, and this is what people fail to consider, even if a star is only – you know, a hundred light years away, 200 light years away, the amount of time needed to get there would be beyond the complete lifespan of our civilization here. So you're talking about 
being able to move people. First of all, you have to get to the point where you can develop space travel. And then after that, you have to be willing to get people, get the technology, get the resources to move. It's highly unlikely. Now, we are currently sending out stuff through SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. We're sending out you know, radio waves saying, hey, we're here. Anybody out there? No. Bueller? Bueller? Why hasn't anyone responded? Well, it's very simple. It takes a ridiculous amount of years to get places. Now, let's say an alien civilization, you know, um, you know about 500 light years away, had been sending radio waves to us. Now, 500 years ago, either I know, I know I'm not traveling at the speed of light, but just for the purposes here, 500 years ago, would we have been able to actually receive any radio transmissions? No. 500 years ago, uh, we were still running around throwing our waste buckets out of the street into the alleyways in most of the places of Europe and in other parts of the world. So any kind of attempts to contact us, I mean, we would have to, in order to receive any type of foreign, any type of alien uh, information, we would basically have to have it hit us right now. And if it hit us right now, it might have left its homeland a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, five thousand years ago, ten thousand years ago. Who's to say that that civilization still exists? If you look at us ten thousand years ago, where were we? Ten thousand years from now, where will we be? We might not be here anymore. Through a variety of reasons. Maybe we blow ourselves up with you know, nuclear weapons. Maybe there are super volcanoes that go off. Maybe global warming spirals out of control. Whatever the reason. Maybe a comet hits us, a gamma ray burst. We might not be here. So this civilization could you know, be broadcasting stuff and they don't exist anymore. Likewise, the information we're sending out, by the time it gets to anyone... It could be a case of, oh my goodness, there are these people broadcasting saying they're from this particular place, um, and and by the time they get back in touch with us, you know, we've disappeared from the face of the earth. The earth isn't here, whatever the case may be. So when when you come down to that, it becomes very clear that it also has a lot to do with luck, luck and timing. And after all, isn't that a lot of what life's about? So what's needed to go out there? Okay, what's needed to go out there is that we have to have this desire to colonize planets. And this is very important because it brings me to my next point. Why do we need to get off Earth? As a species, we need to ensure that we don't have all of our eggs in one basket. We need to get off this planet, not because the Earth is bad and not because anything's going to happen to it. I don't believe so. I don't believe that any kind of a thing that we could prevent, and I mean global warming is one, the climate change, if you will, yes, it's happening. But we can take steps to to s- slow that down, maybe even stop it if we're brave enough, reverse things. But things can happen, yeah, okay, look, a gamma ray burst can hit us, uh, a, a massive you know, meteor can hit us, a wandering black hole can make its way into the Milky Way's interior and, and, and get us in the solar system. But the reality is that if we only exist on one planet, if something happens to Earth, that's it. As a civilization, we're done. We need to get off the Earth and to colonize other parts of the solar system, whether it's colonizing Mars, whether it's working on developing ring worlds, 
If you don't know what they are, go look them up, okay? Whether it's, you know, moving on to moons of different planets, because at the end of the day, we need to ensure the survival of our, our species. And the only way to do that is to make it so that if one major area gets hit, there are other places that can survive and that can move on, okay? Um, we need to expand. We need to keep moving out there. It may be, you know, it may be generations before we're able to move even outside of the solar system. That's okay. We have to keep working on it. We have to keep trying. That's really the next focus of our species, if you ask me. Um, because even if we were to manage to solve most of the problems on Earth, there's a finite lifespan of Earth. And I'm one of these dreamers. I want to dream a dream that the human race can somehow manage to weather the galactic storm and to make its way out there um, and to be around in another 10,000, 100,000, million years. Yes, I know. Highly unlikely, but I want to dream that way. Okay? What lies beyond? We don't know. There's so many things in the universe we're finding out. I mean, we didn't know things 100 years ago. You know, we didn't believe there was anything outside of the Milky Way galaxy. Now we know. Now we know that there are, there are hundreds of millions of galaxies out there. There are billions of galaxies. There's so many stars. Things are expanding at a radical pace. We've discovered, you know, here in New Jersey, in Holmdel, New Jersey, um, there there's the horn antenna on the form of Bell Labs uh, place, the laboratory place. We discovered the origins of the Big Bang, the cosmic uh, uh, microwave radiation background. This is stuff that, you know, we're discovering this every day. We've discovered gravitational waves lately, or rather we've been able to show that they exist. They were, you know, predicted by Einstein. We keep on moving forward. We need to keep this up. We need to stop thinking about us as a terrestrial bound race. We need to stop thinking about just worrying about the earth. Yes, we have to because we live here, all right? But we need to work on doing things and we can. We could be an interstellar species. We could be one of the first out there or the first that we'd ever find out there, okay? So this is really, for me, a hope for humanity, a hope that we could eventually be something much, much, much greater than we are now. We could make science fiction a reality. It would require a tremendous amount of work, and it would require a tremendous amount of interest. But one of the things that heartens me about humans is that, with very few exceptions, humans tend to take their own self-preservation very seriously. When we feel the need to save ourselves, we're willing to invent new things, to come up with new stuff. And I think eventually that's what's going to save us. I think the desire to save the species is going to lead us to go out there and to conquer these new domains, to come up with new technologies. Certainly some of it will be because there are, there are companies and businessmen, and I don't have any problem with this, who are like, listen, I can make money off of this. One of my students asked me, why would people willingly go to Mars other than, you know, the people that were like, this seems cool. And I was like, well, what if we could harvest materials on Mars? What if businesses could be founded there? People would do that. People are always looking for a way to turn a buck. If we can incentivize it, everything in life is driven by the incentive motive. I've said that before. I'll say it again. So what do we end with? We end with the following. 
space is huge. Space is enormous. We're never going to fully understand it. Um, but that's okay. We can make many steps to preserve the success of our species over the next 10,000, 100,000 million years if we want to and if we're willing to make those steps to do it. Um, it will take a lot, but I really believe that it's worth it, um, not just for the success of our species, but because it's worth knowing what's out there. I mean, you know, to be able to continue discovering new things, we don't even know what things like dark energy and dark matter are. We know they exist, but we don't know what they are. But we could one day. And isn't that really what science is about? Constantly discovering new things. As humans, we are really, you know, since the first human wondered how fire came about, you know, since Newton saw the apple fall from the tree, you know, and was like, what is this about? How does this happen? We want to know why things happen. We're very curious species. And that, I think, is going to be one of the saving graces of us. In any case, there's much more to be uh, explored. Space is a very huge thing, and it is the final frontier. Um, here's hoping we go about doing this. Thank you very much, as always, for listening to this podcast. Uh, if you haven't, please do subscribe. I'm working on getting things up with uh, iTunes, with the uh, the, the um, iPod uh, casting. Right now, I'm still on Spotify and, of course, on Anchor. Uh, which has been my provider since the beginning under After School History. I am your humble host, Anthony J. Ashutino, and as always, I do really appreciate you listening to me. Another podcast coming up soon. Have a wonderful day wherever you are. Bye-bye.